Hello podcast listeners and welcome to the 12th December 2018 Hong Kong Stories podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. Hong Kong is famous for its busy streets and in December the streets get even busier. Currently Causeway Bay is so full of people, more than usual, which means you need more time to get to and from places and it's probably advisable to get up a wee bit earlier in the morning if you want to get to work on time. In the extra time we allow ourselves as we walk very slowly to our destinations this week, we'll be listening to this week's story from Pooja about how she made a crucial decision about her work. After Pooja's story, we'll resurrect another story from 2016 by Janita about some dilemmas she found herself in over her own employment. Before we get to the stories, though, a big warm thanks go out to our loyal hometown listeners who once again came out in force to our December live show, making another sold-out performance. We love seeing you in the audience, and we love making this podcast for you to listen to. Thanks for being awesome, Hong Kong. Of course, thanks go out to our international listeners in London and the UK, Jersey City in New Jersey, USA, Toyohira in Japan, and Dandenong in Australia too. Wherever you are in the world, when you listen to our podcast, it makes us happy. 2019 is going to be a busy year for us at Hong Kong Stories. We book shows almost every month at the Fringe Club, kicking off with January and the theme New Territories, And we'll also host the Hong Kong Spoken Word Festival again this year in May as well. Dates and information about our weekly free workshop locations and times can be found on the website hongkongstories.com as well as a few tips on how to get involved. So if your New Year resolution is to get better at public speaking, to share that story about the time you triumphed over adversity, or just finding out how to improve your narrative style, now is the time to go online and find out how to find us. Hong Kong Stories. It's better than drama. It's better than comedy. It's real life. Now here with the story from the September 2018 show with the theme of Something Blue is Pooja. As a lawyer, I have struggled a lot in my career because of office politics and ego. Finally, in Mumbai, I found a company where I liked working. The managing director would treat me like his own granddaughter and share his lunch with me. In this world where people slit throats to rise in the corporate ladder, I found a family. So I decided I am never leaving the company of this company. I was staying in a, a working women's hostel in Mumbai. A working women's hostel is like uh, a service department for professional women. No men are allowed. The women share a very close bond. We eat, we drink, we celebrate birthdays, promotions, and pitch together. 
I selected that hostel particularly because the food was good. One day I got an email with the subject line, job opening in Hong Kong. And I said, spam. <laughs> and went to check what MD's wife had cooked for lunch that day. The same weekend, we hostel girls were busy preparing for our hostel's annual party. Hostel's annual party are really fun. We have so much food and fun games. Uh, we were in the girls' common area discussing the menu when it involves food. <laughs> I've been trusted. I was playing with my phone when I see this email again. Job opening in Hong Kong. Oh, I haven't deleted it yet. I scroll down and I see a mobile number given. So instead of a Hong Kong code, it has an Indian code. I was looking for a Nigerian code, though. <laughs> so I laugh at it and share it with, other with the other girls. Just for fun, this girl suggested maybe I should spam them back by calling on that number, posing as an Indian princess looking for a trustworthy caretaker of millions of my dollars. Since it wasn't an international call, I called the number. I was about to make fun of the guy on the other side when he said, Hi, I'm Peter from ABC Headhunting Firm and our Hong Kong-based client is looking for a VP. Oh, oh, shit, it is not a spam. Oh my god, that means it is real. It's a real opportunity. What should I say now? As much as I wanted to brag about my MD and the company and the team lunch, I thought this was like a lottery. If this clicked, I'll get international exposure and would be paid at least three times more. Without waiting for a second, I said, yes, I'm interested. He calls me the next day and confirms that my CV has been shortlisted and the directors are coming to Mumbai and would like to meet me tomorrow evening. <gasps> tomorrow evening? Tomorrow evening. Tomorrow evening is the hostel's annual party. All those dishes and desserts. <laughs> I had contributed 500 bucks for it. I always laugh at people who contribute and don't attend the parties. I even got my sari ironed. What about my Bollywood performance? So there I stood with the biggest decision of my life. <laughs> Hong Kong or hostel party? <laughs> Hong Kong or hostel party? Hong fucking Kong or hostel party? So I chose hostel party. <laughs> so
So I canceled the interview for this Hong Kong position. You know how it is when you go with your gut feeling? I did that literally. <laughs> so I go dance and enjoy the party so much. My hostel mates even gave me a nickname, Miss Eat It All. So life is back to normal, hostel, office, and great food. So it's all routine. A few days later, there was a massive uh, server issue in the office, and all computers were down. The HR confirmed that it will take an entire day to, to, to fix up everything, and we could leave for the day. It was 11 in the morning, and I thought, if I go back to hostel now, I will end up eating some junk and download shit torrent files. So why don't I do something different and inspiring today? And then I thought of this place called Hare Krishna Restaurant, which makes the best chickpeas. So I go there to eat. You know, inspiration can wait, but food should not. So I go there, I'm enjoying the wonderful samosas. The food is really finger-licking good. While I'm licking my fingers, I said, wait, this is the same part of town where I was to meet those Hong Kong people. Maybe I should call them and ask if they're still interested. I clean up my greasy hands and call. Yes, the chairman is in town and would like to meet you, Pooja. The secretary confirmed. Their office is in the fanciest building of the town. As the receptionist guides me to a very big conference hall, I must say it is just like how it is in the movies. I sit at one end of the table, trying to not doze off after this elephant meal I just had. I'm not physically prepared for this interview, let alone mentally. Then a rich-looking fat man enters. He's holding my CV. He sits on the chair, and he carefully reads my CV. And then he takes his glasses off and throws it on the table. How rude, I thought. And then he leans over the table and says, Pooja, I have seen your CV. And I have only one question to ask you. I was like, yeah. When can you join? Oh shit! Fuck! I, I I don't need a new job. I am so happy with mine. I came here because I was here for lunch. And before I could answer his question, the president joins. A very handsome Indian man with blue eyes. Oh, I definitely want to work for you, Hati. The chairman briefs the president of the discussion. And he looks up to me in my eyes with his blue pint. And he says, <clears throat> very confidently, look, Pooja, I understand that you might have your own concerns about the role and the 
you know, living in Hong Kong or the company. I have a suggestion. Day after tomorrow, we have an annual uh, meeting in Hong Kong office where people across all the globe um, join. Why don't you come with us too? That way you'll be able to see the company culture and meet the team. What do you think? Can we do that? So basically, this blue-eyed guy is offering me a paid holiday to Hong Kong. <laughs> so I said, yes. While I'm nodding and shaking hands, I'm thinking, my passport is, it my, is at my parents' place, 2,000 kilometers away. Can FedEx deliver in 15 hours? Because if I tell them, I don't trust myself with my own passport. <laughs> I am definitely not getting this job. <laughs> so I'm on my way back to hostel uh, in the mobile local train. And I'm just thinking, what am I doing to my life? Wait. If I was actually doing this, everything had to be really quick. I called mom. Mom, send my passport. I'm going to Hong Kong tomorrow. Mom's reaction, what? Out of the blue, Hong Kong, are you OK? Long story. Wait, but I don't know what to pack for my first overseas trip. I don't know what's the weather like in Hong Kong, or the time zone, or the currency. The only thing I know about Hong Kong is the weird history lesson, UK winning opium war, and the weird story of 99 years lease. <laughs> Sitting in the local train in Mumbai, for the first time I Google Hong Kong. I see blue waters and skyscrapers on a tiny dot on Google Maps. Population, just seven millions? Not even half of Mumbai. Must be a very quiet place. <laughs> My flight is at 10 p.m., which means I must leave from work by 6 which means I must receive my passport before that. And since my life is full of nothing but drama, I was kind of prepared for something stupid. Guess what? It's 5.30 and I don't have my passport. I keep on checking the FedEx online, and it says, on its way. I keep on refreshing the page, but the status doesn't change. This time, I am hungry. But for this job, it's 6 p.m., time for me to leave. I don't have my passport. So I go down at the reception to check. No courier for Pooja, the admin tells me. I don't know what excuse I can make if I don't board this flight, because those Hong Kong people had book my, booked my flight Hotel, taxi, everything. Did I take a wrong decision? And then I remembered the words of Lord Krishna. He said, everything happens for good. It's 6.30 PM, which means receptionist is leaving, and no courier will get received. I'm coming back on my seat when I see 
a sweaty man entering. He's carrying a big FedEx bag. To everyone, he looks like a normal delivery guy. But to me, he's Lord Krishna himself. I hear flute play, being played in the background as he opens his bag and hands me over my blue Indian passport. I think I heard him saying, your journey begins now. Seven years later, I am here in Hong Kong telling you the story that everything happens for good. Until then, enjoy the confusion. Thank you. Enjoy the confusion. I think I can take that advice to heart. If you do find yourself confused about how Hong Kong Stories works, for example, or how you can tell your best story, or even just how to get up behind a microphone without notes, head on over to our website, hongkongstories.com, for answers to your questions. When you're hanging out with friends or family this holiday season, have a listen to the stories they tell. And when you hear one that reminds you of one of your own, head on down to our next workshop and tell us all about it. The stories you tell at a workshop don't need to be perfect or polished or even finished. They just have to be true and have to have you as the main character. Now for a story from back in 2016 when we first started recording for the podcast. Here's Janita. I've been thinking of writing a book on how to quit. Because there's lots of advice out there on how to get a job. The bookstores are full of it, from how to write amazing CVs to top tips for interviews. But there's nothing really out there on how to quit. I mean, is there some universally accepted etiquette? A discourse structure to follow? A dress code, perhaps? Because when you're 16 and you've had enough of your job washing dishes four nights a week in a steakhouse, you really need an exit strategy. Because you just can't quit, right? I mean, I'd had a few holiday jobs before. Waitressing, handing out leaflets, even working in a shoe shop. And what they all had in common was they all had a mutually agreed end of contract date. The, the beginning of the school term. But this was different. This job just kept on going. It could be months, years. And then I was a student at a drama college and we were putting together a production of the Greek tragedy Agamemnon. I had even spent an entire day at a mask-making workshop dripping in plaster of Paris in order to make the drama more authentic. So spending five hours of an evening washing dishes was not something I really looked forward to. But you see, the real thing is, is that this restaurant had two sides. The front of house, which is where the customers dined, and the backstage area, the kitchens, where I worked. And you have to remember that these were the days before automatic dishwashers, which meant every plate, every glass, 
every tiny sauce pot had to be washed by hand. And then at the end of the night, the grease-laden grills were thrown into the industrial sinks, ready for me to scrub. It was exacting and exhausting work. And I'd simply had enough. But I didn't have a real excuse to leave. And I couldn't ask anyone, because at the time I lived away from home. And the students I was with, well, they were really quite privileged kids, which meant while it was okay to have a Saturday job at the posh shop, Laura Ashley, if you washed dishes of an evening, you kept it to yourself. Now, the only reason I had was that I hated Brian and the way that he used to throw the frozen steaks across the kitchen floor because he was too lazy to carry them. And I couldn't really take that to the manager because I thought he probably knew that already. No, what I needed was something concrete, something that didn't require further questioning, something totally finite. Now, there's no doubt what we were talking here was some physical disability. Not a leg, because that would be too dramatic. An arm, a bit obvious, but a wrist. A wrist was plausible. And how did I break it? I fell off my bike. Yes, they all knew that I had a motorbike because I used to arrive at the place with my crash helmet every evening. Totally believable, plot sorted. But if I was to get away with this performance, I would have to get the costume right too, which meant I would have to be suitably bandaged, preferably in plaster of Paris, and I knew exactly where to get some of that. <laughs> so the day of my next shift came, and I began to prepare for the important scene ahead. I'd been to the chemist and I'd bought a tube of plaster of Paris. Not cheap at £4.99. All I had to do was tear it into strips and dip it into water and layer it around my hand. Now, I had had a bit of experience of this, and I was expecting a rather professional finish. But even at £4.99, the tube only gave me enough to wrap the hand to the required thickness, and the wrist area looked rather skimpy by comparison. But I thought, if I just pull my jumper down towards my knuckles, I'd probably get away with it. And so, with a suitable, agonising look, I stepped into the manager's office. I told him I couldn't work for another six weeks and he might as well find a replacement. He said, oh, that's fine, don't worry about it. Here's your wages for last week. But I'm sorry... You're going to have to come back next Monday to pick up the money from your last shift. Oh, bloody hell. My performance was so good, I was now required to do an encore. <laughs> Monday came, and I decided not to do the faffing around with the plaster of Paris and go for the more obvious stretch bandage. It was another £4.99, but it could be used again. So that Monday... I pulled my jumper down towards my knuckles with a slightly less agonising look. Because, you must remember, it was a few days after the accident and I would have got over the initial shock. And I stepped into the manager's office. 
Within two minutes, I was back outside on the pavement. In my pay packet was a crisp £10 note. Now, it had cost me precisely £9.98 to quit that job. The equivalent of a five-hour shift washing dishes. It didn't seem fair. But you'll be happy to know that I have since learned how to quit a job without it costing me a penny. But if you want me to reveal my secrets, you'll have to buy my book, A Snip, at £9.98. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this story brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. Huge thank yous go out to our wonderful hosts who curate and direct all the Hong Kong Stories show throughout the year. Special thanks go out this week to Mel, who took care of all the storytellers in the September show so very well. The music for this podcast was created and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. Everyone has a story to tell. May your week be filled with an absence of ethical dilemmas, socks without holes, and a minimum of flatulence. <laughs>